0: Welcome to the Behind Their Business podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community, for business owners to connect in called the Competent CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, Mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. All right, you guys. The interview with our guest today, it's going to be a unique one, and I'm really excited to dive into this because she is in an industry that I didn't even know existed until I connected with her. And today she's going to be talking about ignoring the trolls and rolling with the punches. And we all know that owning a business, it's not always easy. So she's going to be sharing some stories about how she overcame the difficulties of running an online business and all of the just difficulties that have presented themselves over the years. And in her business, she is the founder of the Construction Coach, which is Australia's first construction coach. And she's also the podcast host of Constructing You. And she uses her unique approach to um, tie in uncommon insights and she has more than eight years of experience in the commercial construction industry. So this, like I said, this is going to be a very unique guest today and I'm so excited to talk with her. So you can learn more about her on her website at theconstructioncoach.com.au and on Instagram, but we'll get to all of that later, but welcome to the show, Eleanor Masha. I am so glad that you are here today. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Thank you for your energy, and thank you very much for having me on your podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we dive into hearing more about your background, can you tell us more about this construction coach thing? Because I know nobody will understand what this is. So can you break that down a little bit?
1: Of course. In my career trajectory, I went up through the industry through very conventional, narrow box type careers. And I found that I ended up being someone who was very meek, very diminished and powerless. I've given over all my agency over my career to other people. And I realized there was this gaping chasm in my development between conventional education versus the personal and professional development that's required to have a career from the inside out. And that was the holding point, I guess you could call it in my career, that caused me to reflect. At the same time, the notion of just having a corporate career and climbing the ladder, that whole paradigm started crumbling down and I didn't know what now. How can I actually have a career which ties in my love for construction, but also my love for mentoring and coaching and speaking? And that's how the construction coach provided me with the vehicle to tie in the best of both worlds and to have the work and as a function that I absolutely love doing by also adding value to the industry, by providing a very distinct perspective on development and and personal development. The whole ethos of what I do is about the people behind the project. So albeit I am the construction coach, I don't teach technical construction because That is what most people rest their laurels on in the industry, but that has such a huge limitation on the person's potential and their possibility in the industry.
0: Thank you so much for explaining that because when I first saw that it was exactly, I was envisioning exactly what you said, like the actual technical side of doing the construction. I was so confused by how that would actually work. So that makes so much more sense. So you're actually working with the humans who are running these companies kind of like you would do in really any business, right? You're just truly focused on the human beings, not the actual company or the buildings that they're creating, right?
1: And that's what it should be. And I mean, you, you would think that something so simple would be so common, but it is not, because there is no one in the industry that I do know of, I'm Australia's first construction coach. after all, that ties in that industry specific knowledge with entrepreneurial thinking with the spiritual side with unconventional career development that like i said before allows you to build your career from the inside out you look at other training development type firms they're either purely industry-based of course that technical part but if they're not that then they're very tactical and the thing with tactical is it doesn't last you can't teach someone how to for example, start cooking when they don't even know what someone wants to eat. So that is the exa- like very simplified analogy, but it is taking a principle based approach, and that was, that's what I also found through my own frustration that. Other coaches, not even in the industry, were taking a very tactical approach. Just do these three things and everything will be fine. Well, it may be for like a few weeks, but nothing actually changes and people aren't progressing. They're just going around in circles. So that was also a deep frustration that I noticed in the coaching industry and where I had to take a completely different approach as well.
0: Yeah, no, this makes so much sense. So can we just take a step back? And I want to hear how you got to this point. So what were you doing prior to this? I know you said that you have about eight years of experience in the commercial construction industry. So what what led you to doing this on your own? Like, what was the catalyst for all of that?
1: There were a few tipping points and the catalysts. One was I started, when I graduated, I started tutoring And the conversations with me would always turn from how does precast get erected to Eleanor, I don't have a clue what to do with my career. And they say you should always start a business around the questions that people come to you with. For me, that was curious success. People perceived that I had curious success. I didn't feel that. I wondered why they did. Because through all external metrics, they perceived that I had it. I had it all. But I was deeply unfulfilled parallel to that I started conceiving my own vision and my own vision when I really did that introspection it caused a lot of friction and I had to start letting go of a lot of old paradigms I realized that where I wanted to be had nothing with where I wanted to do today and I didn't know what was happening at the moment but that was called growth and to me it was my world crashing down but it had to happen for something new to come in old things have to die for the first time that truly had to happen for me so I didn't know what was going on so it was a conception of my vision where I thought well who is this person who is this person that gets to do all the, all of these things it's not a traditional corporate employee by any sense and then at the same time as all of this was playing out I was on the worst project that for me I could have been on and I was working with an inadequate team on the worst project with the worst client I was working on work that was truly unfulfilling and that's when I was just, it was causing a lot of stress and anxiety and depression, the whole works. It was a horrible run, but I'm so glad it happened and I would still do it again because it served as the fuel to get to where I am because I turned that shit into fuel to make sure that I was working on me for me so I could get to where I want so that my career would never be at the behest of inadequate or people or people who don't have vision, people who don't want anything else for their life either. And it was one cold, dreary morning in Melbourne. Melbourne warnings are very gray. And I was on this, I was on side and I was in a sight shed. And if you're not familiar, sight shed have bars on them. And it literally felt like a physical and mental prison. And I remember looking at the bars of that window thinking, this can't be it. This play out of my career day in, day out of doing what other people say, not having time freedom, not living in alignment with my values. Even if I didn't know where I wanted to go, then I knew that this can't be it. So that cocktail of events really said that, you know, I need to take agency over my career. I need to do the deep introspective work and move in the direction of my vision, regardless how imperfect the action was at first. And it was through moving in the direction of my vision with enough conviction, with enough belief in the what and the why, not the how. I had no idea how it would manifest, but that's what allowed me on a fateful June in, in Melbourne in 2019. I met my mentor and my mentor, Ron Malhotra, showed me the alternative way of having a career and a life. And that is of a thought leader. And that's what I'm privileged to be doing today.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And one of the topics that keeps coming up is one thing that you mentioned, which is the introspection. And it's so incredibly crucial not only to leave some leave a role that you're currently unfulfilled in, because I had that happen too when I was in my my corporate job. And it was very similar to you, except I was sitting and staring out of a cubicle window, staring at a grocery store, just wanting to go to a grocery store at 10 in the morning, but I couldn't because I was typing a press release. So it's kind of similar in that same regard just like feeling like you're in this little prison for lack of a better term but um one thing that you mentioned the introspection it this continues to come up in almost all of the episodes in some way or another and it's just it's just such a testament to how important it is to do all of that inner work in order to actually reach that next level in your life in your business whatever it is um but I just really wanted to say that I loved that you brought that up because I just keep hearing this from people over and over again. Was there anything um, specific in your introspective journey, I guess, that you did that really helped you, that you think could help other people?
1: The first time around that I did it, I did it by myself and that took more time. I also didn't know what was happening, why it was happening, and also how to really frame my thoughts. So what enabled me to get clarity was journaling. Journaling was my process of introspection because I would find myself writing, not knowing what I was writing, and then I would read it, and the answer would be on the page. And I'm like, wow, that's that's what the universe was trying to tell me. So that process was very cathartic for me, and it literally is what changed my life because on those pages came out my vision. I would ask myself then really difficult questions like what it is that I want, and I wasn't writing out what I was doing on my day to day. So that was extremely beneficial. And that's a practice that I still do. But when I started working with a mentor, that was really when the shifts started to happen. Because when you're thinking about, you know, when you're shifting paradigms, when you're shifting worldviews, when you are challenging the whole of your belief system, it is a alarming and it causes a lot of friction. You go through a lot of challenges. But having a mentor that can not only articulate, what you're feeling, but why you're feeling and how this new belief is going to support your vision is what allowed me to move fast through this inner work. By fast, I'm still talking two or three months. And this is a top of the nine or 11 months that I did prior to. By fast, it's still a serious amount of investment. And that was just to get to where I was then. I've done it numerous times as I've continued to level up. In my career and in my leadership game and in my business as well. But it was also with a mentor that I got exposure to what I didn't know that I didn't know. For a long time, I wasn't even, you know, I had a a feeling of the spiritual world, but I didn't know what it really was. I wasn't able to articulate it. I couldn't understand the concept of energy exchange. So lots of things like that. By having a mentor, I was. Able to bypass the time to know what it is that I need to know.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with both of those things that you said. I am a big journaler as well. I initially wasn't. I was. I think I was afraid because I was afraid of what was going to come up. So I would just kind of keep everything in my head. But you're right. There's something about actually writing it out and seeing the words reflected back at you. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot coming up right now that I need to work through. Right. Um, also the mentor too. I, I liken this to driving a car without having a map. It's kind of the same thing with what we're talking about here. You're trying to get to this destination, but you have no idea how to get there. And maybe you'll come up to an exit, but you don't know if this is the exit that you need to get off. So yes, having a mentor is key to growth in any area of life, I think. Um, but I do want to dive into the topic a little bit right now. So But before we do that, I actually have one more thing that I want to bring up. So this may tie into the topic, but I'm assuming in your industry, and correct me if I'm wrong, you work with a lot of men. I'm assuming that you are one of the few females. Am I wrong with that assumption or is that true?
1: That's correct, yes.
0: So what I would love to know the dynamics of that. And has this led into... um, We're talking about today, which is like the trolls and rolling with the punches and all of that.
1: Certainly does. But what happened? This is my take on the whole gender conversation. When I first entered into the industry, of course, I realized, hey, I'm a minority. And around that, you know, being a minority, there's a lot of discourse where you're underrepresented, you don't have fair work, you're not equally paid. You can, I'm sure many can appreciate and recognize the narrative that it comes around being a woman in construction, women in law, whatever industry you happen to be in. So when I entered into the industry, I absorbed that narrative. And I thought, you know what? I am a woman and I am underpaid and I'm not getting equal opportunity. And there's no space for me in the industry. And I I didn't challenge that belief system. Then I also saw that, okay, leadership looks like A. I need to be more A. Over a span of five years, what that did was cumulatively diminish my person reduce my personality to the extent that I didn't recognize myself because I had internalized beliefs that had nothing to do with my own potential and they were holding me back those beliefs put the ceiling on the person and also by emulating what leadership should be like instead of being all of who I am I lost my power Completely. So I realized at a point in time that, you know what, all of these people, they're just talking about the problem, the problem, the problem, and the problem does exist. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it doesn't have to be my problem. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to shut off the narrative because at the same time, I started realizing that, hang on, I'm a spiritual being having a physical experience. I'm not just a human. There's more to me than this physical body. That was a huge paradigm shift as it was. And, and then I, then I realized to stop you
0: there because once I had that realization too it's like this whole world yeah. up opens up to you it's such a crazy shift it's so insane but, but yes go ahead sorry
1: no you don't apologize it's hard to explain even unless you actually go through it and then I realized that you know spiritually we are all born equal so yes if I'm not going to let the one defining factor which is my gender define me or my career outcomes so I shut off that narrative and I said you know what I can do anything that I choose to do. And that's how I started taking quantum leaps in my career. So can I get any position that I want? Well, yes because I create it for myself. I wanted to write a best-selling book. I did that. I have a pod- I wanted a podcast. I did that. Am I being underpaid? No, because I control my own income. And even if I am underpaid, it's on me. And that's where also a lot of other that's where a lot of people get the conversation wrong is that they make their income someone else's problem. Yes, in the corporate world, there are limitations around that. Again, I'm not, I don't ignore reality. But in the world of entrepreneurship, if you learn the skills to influence your income, who's saying you can't earn a million a month? People do that. It's happened before. I'm not there, but I, it's, it's possible. It is now within my realm of possibility because I've changed my belief system. And I stopped internalizing the fact I'm a woman, therefore I deserve things. No one owes you anything, whether you're male or, or female. And when you let go of beliefs that aren't serving you and you replace them with ones that do truly empower you, you can have anything that you want out of your career outside of any parameters. Yep. No, I fully, I'm so glad that you brought all of that up because that's, it's so true.
0: I really don't like when people put parameters on themselves for example, I work with a lot of moms and a lot of moms say, well, I don't, I don't have time to do X, Y, Z. There's no way that I can make $50,000 a month because I have kids to take care of. Well, so what? I have a child too. Like the more limitations that we put on ourselves, the longer we're delaying our success. And that's, I think that's just like the whole point of this conversation that we're having, but Yeah, absolutely. I would love to also hear about, I know that you mentioned you had some challenges come up over the years too. Can you dive into any of those specific stories that you feel comfortable with sharing?
1: Oh, of course. When, I don't know how it is where you are, but in Australia, we've got a thing called tall poppy syndrome. And when someone tries to grow above, not above, but more than others, and when they want to stand out, people try try to bring them down. And I use the same analogy of, you know, crab society is like crabs in a bucket. When someone wants to try and escape, the crabs will try and pull them back down to their status quo. Because seeing other people succeed is apparently one of the most painful things in the world. Because when it does, it obviously reminds people of what they're not doing. And they are uncomfortable with that. And when they see other people who are progressing faster than them, that brings up a lot of hate a lot of resentment so when i started initially putting myself out there on social media and adding my value and you know this is what i was doing you start to get obviously a lot of criticism who do you think you are what do you think you're doing stay in your stay in your lane stay in your comfort zone all of these things and what also happens is as you grow you become sort of unfamiliar to the people that are immediately around you or people that you always thought would support you. And you find you start that your, your circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that can also be alarming to some people because you don't expect that to happen. But these people obviously knew an old version of you. You are now growing into who you actually are. And if they don't want to get to know that person, that's not on me. So there's that gradual disconnect that also happens with growth. But my apologies, I jumped from what I was talking about when I was talking about standing out online. But when people start pushing out content online and adding value online and talking about what they do and starting to challenge people's beliefs, yes, of course, you you get haters. And that happened at the start. That happened at every step of the way. For example, when I first posted that my podcast hit 5,000 downloads, I had no expectations as to what the download rate would be. I was hoping for 1,000 in, in six months or a year or whatnot. I was banking that my mom would listen to it and she still hasn't. And I posted that, you know, I was really proud of the achievement and it was a thank you post. Within one hour of me posting that my podcast hit a milestone, I had a handful of one-star reviews on on Apple. Now I'm fine if it is if someone actually says that it was a one-star podcast, but not straight on the back of it hit a download, like it hit a download. It's doing well. It was purposely vindictive. There was another post that I did early on. This was the first one that I got backlash from. It wasn't a vanilla post. And I had a photo of, you know, I was quiet. I didn't smile. So when I don't smile, I look quite serious. And I had my arms crossed, which is my natural position. And I I looked very authoritative. And the context of the post was that I'm not available for everyone whims and woes, because what happens when you start putting yourself out online, people feel a sense of entitlement. Oh, Eleanor's achieved this, and Eleanor's doing this, and she can obviously fix all my problems for me. She will drop everything that she's doing and help me, but I won't even help myself. So I put up a post that said, you know, I have parameters around my time. I'm first available for my clients. My clients made the investment to work with me. What kind of a business owner would I be if my clients paid me and I'm off gallivanting those who won't help themselves? That is a disgrace to my clients. And if they left, then I I would accept that. That's not excellent business practices. So as a post around what I am available for and what I'm not available for. That post went viral because a combination of text and the photo, people misconstrued that, that I wasn't available for people with mental health afflictions or I wasn't, I was arrogant. I was this, I was that. Someone even threatened to call my employer. For what reason? I don't know because I decide how I use my time that was just one post of, of hate and vitriol. I had like 30,000 views and over 200, I think 200 comments of people who, you know, some were coaches and they understood that yes, our time as business owners are limited, is limited. And we can, we have to be stringent with it. And others were taking it as being, you know, arrogant and, and stuck up because I wasn't there to serve the people. And it went on and on and on and on. And that's when I realized that, No matter what you do, no matter what you say, you're gonna have haters, you're gonna have people who love you. And that is that is fine. But what happens is some people they get they have that type of post early on, and then they go back to being vanilla, or they go back to just purely playing it safe, and or even if they don't go back to playing it safe, they shut down completely. They say, you know what, it's probably not for me. I shouldn't probably be posting content online, it's not gaining any traction. I mean going back to the excuses piece that you were talking about, but people just shut up shop because some person in Alabama doesn't like your content. I mean, it hasn't, that's none of my business.
0: Right. Yeah. There's, I'm so glad that you said that there's a quote that says your, how does it go? Your opinion of me is none of my business, something along those lines. And I love that because it's so incredibly accurate. And I just want to take a step back about what you were talking about before where, when you went off on a tangent, when you were talking about how your circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and this is something that my husband and I have recently been talking about because we are both going through really transformative times in our lives right now, and our circle is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we're like, where have all of our friends gone? But I mean, we've come to terms with the fact that people are in your lives for a specific reason. They're in your life for a specific amount of time, whether that's people just close friends or clients that you work with, whatever that looks like. But I'm glad that you um, you mentioned that because that's something going on in my life personally right now. So it's very, um, very timely. But the um, what you were saying about the, I just also want to touch on this too, which is also totally off topic, but you were talking about um, people getting upset when you weren't wanting to like basically give away your time for free, right, to people who weren't willing to put in the effort to do that as well. And I've heard this conversation brought up with a lot of people. Nobody has outwardly said this to me yet, which I'm kind of surprised by. But um <laughs> I don't know yeah, I don't I don't know where this idea comes from that as coaches we need to give all of our knowledge that we have spent years learning and at this point, hundreds of thousands of dollars paying for to give that away for free. I have no idea where this idea came from. Um, But honestly, it's, it's not okay. It it, it frankly needs to stop because we have spent a lot of time, energy. I don't know about you, but I've cried a lot over the years. (laughs) I feel like I deserve to be compensated for that. I don't know if you have any other comments on that. But I just wanted to just very quickly talk about that because you mentioned it.
1: Of course, I'll give a basic example. I 100% resonate and agree with your idea. So it was this year. So I started also doing business advisory with my mentor. We have a business advisory firm and I'm an associate advisor there. And we work with, I personally work more in the startup space because that's where my area of expertise is at the moment. I haven't scaled a business yet. And I had someone message me, their whole business, not the whole business plan, but their whole business structure. This is what we do. This is who we love to serve. The whole lot, like a slab of text on LinkedIn, I said, what, you know, what's your feedback on our business structure? Now, anyone would know that a business structure is a very important and complex thing. It's not just where Mr. Whatever sits in the office. It's the legals, it's the finance. What's your vision? What's the purpose? What are your goals? What's the financial goals? Who are you servicing? Who are you targeting? What is your market value proposition? What is your unique value proposition?
0: And you couldn't get that out of two lines?
1: What was wrong with you? Yeah, wanted my advice. I said, thank you for your message. I'm not available to answer this over direct messages, but if you would like, you can book in a formal consultation with me. I didn't say the value, right? Formal consultation, it could have actually been free. This person wouldn't have known. They message months later, going, "Oh, I'm so sorry that you think you're so important. Let me just transfer forty thousand dollars to your account immediately." It's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want my details? Yeah, I'll take forty thousand dollars an hour. It was both being sarcastic, but not understanding the complexity of the question, not okay. placing any value, and and this was a, this was the founder of a business. And not only was it rude and disrespectful, but it was just so ignorant and entitled to the, to the question. I'd certainly, you know, have a level of understanding when, say, graduates come up in the marketplace, they don't know any better, right? They have just come out of a conventional education system. They haven't even tasted the real world. But someone who has 20 years experience in the industry and who is now running a business to actually just be so rude to someone. And that sense of entitlement, I see it through and through. I will be in a consultation and people will be all guns a blazing. They will move heaven and earth to work with someone. But when it actually comes down to making an investment, no, they literally freeze in the spot that has nothing to do with me. I provide value. And if they have such a limitation about about money, that is their own limitation about their mindset. It's a scarcity mindset. And if they place more value on $1,000 than their career, then where do they actually think they're going to end up? And they're failing to realize that we live in an economic world. I mean, they wouldn't go to work 9 to 5, Monday to Friday and work for free. But they expect people in the coaching and mentoring industry to work for free because we don't have, we don't need to live anywhere apparently. Yeah, we don't have to eat food. It's
0: we just breathe air and we drink water from the creek and yeah. we survive like that. Yeah. survive. Oh my goodness, that's I'm so glad that you shared that example because it's, oh, that's ridiculous. And hopefully, people learn. But I don't know who knows. At least we have responses to back them up. And if they want to send us forty thousand dollars, I'm cool with that's
1: this fine. show. Yeah, no, I'll, no problem.
0: Yeah, I'll send you my PayPal link. Yeah, <laughs> this has been. Such a great conversation. Thank you again for being here. Was there anything else or any tips or advice that you want to give people before we wrap up just in terms of um, any challenges that you've had or like I said before, like the trolls or any rude people who reach out to you?
1: When you go through that introspection that we were talking about and realize your value, your mission, your vision, being all of who you are and the fact that people who throw the punches and throw the vitriol are achieving less than you then it starts to loosen its grip on you yes at first you will get affected but that's why having a resilient mindset and more belief that the whole universe has your back and that one person's comment cannot derail your mission you become a lot tougher and when people can't bring you down then (laughs) you, you become indestructible right And you also have to realize that these people who are throwing the punches. They're only usually good for one or two punches. After that, they don't have anything. I'll give you just another example. If I may. Yeah, go ahead. I posted a quiet divisive post on which reflected my stance on what is currently happening in the world. I didn't say you had to agree with me. I actually even put in the top of the post that I know that the hate will come. Please feel free. Please share your opinion these people who were throwing the punches, one person actually, the comeback that he had to someone else was, she started it. Are we five on a kindergarten? Like I started it. What? I started your lack of critical thinking and ability to articulate your opinion with research and reason. I started that. That's the extent of people's arguments. And on that post, it was wholly divisive. And Uh, what I quickly realized were people were not even able to hold a rational argument or let's engage, you know, Steph, if we have a disagreement on an opinion, no problem. Let's engage in an intellectual debate. I'm happy to listen to what you have to say at the end. I I still don't care if we don't agree, go on and live your, live your life. But what people they were going for straight for the jugular. They were straight going for a character assassination an emotional assassination And they only had one or two things to say. And this was even from people who you're not even connected with. So it's equivalent of, let's say I walked by you in the street, I would literally throw some punches for no reason, because I heard you say one tiny thing out of the grand context. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go on. I was gonna say it's so interesting because if you were to see these people in person, they would never say these things to you. It's all because they're safe behind a screen.
1: They're safe behind a screen and they are only one hit wonders. They can throw one or two punches. But that's why when you build yourself from the inside out, you will always stay in the ring and nothing can bring you down. And yes, you know, those comments will hurt maybe for a week, maybe for even two, but you always get back in there and you always keep on finding because your value is greater than the vitriol that they have to say. Mm -hmm. And this just made me think
0: of another five-year-old saying, which is, I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me, it sticks on you. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're all five-year-olds here today. But I mean, it's so true because once you start to build that thick skin, things really do, they just bounce off of you. And you don't think about them like you would previously.
1: It becomes great podcast content. And yeah. there, is, you know, there is no depth to how much people go out of their way to actually not allow you to succeed and I just think that is sad that people would consume themselves in that as part of the human experience instead of making the most of it for themselves I mean how far people have fallen
0: no yeah I completely agree everyone's capable of so much more than just sitting behind a screen and saying mean things to people but maybe one day maybe one day everybody will realize their true potential hopefully (laughs) hopefully Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here. This is great. And where is the best place for people to connect with you if they want to find you?
1: At Eleanor Moshe underscore on on Instagram and Eleanor Moshe on LinkedIn.
0: Amazing. Thank you again for being here. This was so good. And we had so many good one-liners in this. So this is going to be great. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Steph.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business Podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at BehindTheirBusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.